I just love getting email, especially when someone tells me about their success story. And that's what inspired the episode you are about to hear. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. In the spotlight, a woman who has reinvented herself many times. In fact, she's worked in high tech with roles in systems engineering, computer security, cryptography, software project management, and as director of performance improvement. And then she started down her entrepreneurial path flexing her artistic muscle as a makeup artist and then as a marketing consultant. But it was a health crisis that rocked her world and inspired her to shift her mindset and adjust her compass in a different direction. Her name is Chris Basiliadis, and this is her story. I am so thrilled to be here with you today, Candy, and excited to chat with you. Take us back mm. to the health crisis in 2005, because that was a real watershed moment for you. It was indeed. In 2005, out of nowhere, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. It came upon me one day in my work. At the time, I was doing makeup artistry. I couldn't feel from my knees down. Kind of like the feeling that you get when you hit your funny bone. I had that sensation. And from that, that evolved into getting a bunch of tests. I was initially diagnosed pretty quickly, but then I got a second opinion. The second opinion, they wanted to wait a little bit longer, got diagnosed pretty quickly in about two months. And that caused a whole bunch of lifestyle changes for me. And health and wellness became much more important to me, so much so that I wanted to help other people create their ideal state of health and wellness. So about three years later, that led to me deciding to become trained and certified as a health coach and opening up my business, Priority Wellness. And here you are. So let's go back just a little bit to the diagnosis because there are different types and severities yes. of MS. Talk to me about that. At the time I got diagnosed, there were four different types and I think there's even more now, but I was basically diagnosed with what's called relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis, which basically means you will have different attacks, flare-ups, episodes, choose your word, where symptoms will show up. And for me, it has shown up as feelings of numbness, feelings of tightness. In one of my attacks, I had this sensation called banding. It basically feels like you have a girdle on 24-7 and a really tight girdle that someone's pulling the seams on. So I had tingling in my hands and my feet. And the most severe thing that happened to me is I actually lost the vision in one of my eyes temporarily. And that was scarier than my diagnosis. I was just going to say, you know, this is just terrifying. Yeah. And, and up until that point, you're really a very healthy person. Yes. What was your mindset then? Because you describe yourself as a recovering type A personality. I always had an optimistic outlook, Candy. So I feel like that even just got heightened in having my diagnosis. I got diagnosed in December of 05. In January of 06, I went in to visit my primary care physician and said, okay, I have this diagnosis. It's my intention to live a fully active, healthy life. What should I be doing? And she lined me up with all kinds of tests that year. 2006, I call the year of the lab rat <laughs> because I had all different tests to, for allergies and food sensitivities and a variety of different things. You made that conscious decision to create an active and a healthy lifestyle. What did you do to make that happen so that anyone listening can sort of get a picture of, okay, 
I'm going to do this as well as I can. So what worked for me, I like to say, it's not like I have the secret sauce. I figured out what You don't? (laughs) (laughs) I'd be a millionaire if that was the case. But the idea is I experimented with different things and, and through testing. So I've been militantly off gluten since 2006. Another example is in the tests that I had done, it showed that I was deficient in a number of vitamins and minerals. So I was put on supplements for that. And I'm still on those. I'm on one of the disease modifying drugs for multiple sclerosis. I manage my stress actively. At the time that I got diagnosed, one of the physicians in my doctor's office taught Qigong, which is a form of Tai Chi. And that it's a standing Chinese meditation, basically. That was my way of managing my stress back then. How I manage stress has evolved over the years, but I always have a consistent way of managing my stress. Now, as I speak with you, I've been relapse-free from MS for over 14 years. Once you figured out all of this for yourself, you made a decision that you wanted to help other people have a more healthy life. So you started your own business. I love the name Priority Wellness, which means put your wellness first, right? Mm. Take me back to that light bulb moment when you decided, I'm going to do this. It really just evolved from the time that I got diagnosed to the time I made the decision, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I knew I wanted to do something in the wellness space, but I wasn't sure quite what. And At the time, not only had I been doing makeup work, but I was doing marketing consulting. And one of my clients was a career coach and I had written all the copy for her website. So when that project was done, I looked at her and said, okay, now I need to hire you. And together we got to a point where we figured out something like wellness advocate. And then I reconnected with someone I knew through networking. We had coffee. She called herself a wellness coach. So when we met for coffee, I said, well, gee, how did you come to call yourself a wellness coach? Explained the stage that I was in in my life. And she said, oh, well, I went to the school where I got trained and certified as a wellness coach. Really? Tell me more about that. And I ended up enrolling in the same program she did. So it was really this thing of following the breadcrumbs. And then I was led to this. Describe your business. Tell us what is Priority Wellness? Sure. I would describe it collectively as a coaching and training company where I specialize in working with professional women who feel overwhelmed, over busy in how they're running their lives. And they realize that the way that they're functioning is not sustainable. So I help them basically approach their days in ways so they can run their days without running themselves into the ground. And I also have my book, Ignition. Well, I was just about to say, and thank you so much for signing your book. I'm holding it in my hand. It's beautiful. The book is called Ignition, A Professional Woman's Guide to Energized Burnout Proof Living. Give us some highlights from the book. Starts with telling my story about how uh, my MS diagnosis led me to the work that I do. It's a collection of different women that I've worked with, different women that I've interviewed at different stages of their life, but dealing with different life situations that could have caused them to feel burnt out and how they turn that around or how they've proactively managed burnout in their lives. I would say prevent it from happening. And ultimately, it walks you through five key pillars that I had witnessed both in my work and in interviewing people that work well in helping people prevent burnout and how they're running their lives. What are those five pillars? So they are having a sense of inner balance, a sense of centeredness, 
having compassion for yourself, managing your energy and spend a lot of time on that, but it's basically four buckets of energy, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, and having a sense of presence, um, another word for mindfulness, basically, being focused and in, in mindful in, in how you're running your life, and then resourcefulness. And in the book, I called it resources, having basically different people in your lives that, that support you, whether that's personal or professional. Basically, you're not trying to do it all on your own. As women, I think we just carry the load. We carry it for ourselves, our spouse, our children, uh, what we do for a living. How do you help women get their priorities straight? Because I love the expression, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. It's so true. And getting the priorities straight, I think a couple of things help. It's one, realizing that your priorities are your own. It's not about looking at what your next door neighbor's doing or your best friend's doing. You decide for yourself, what matters to me now? What's important to me now? And health might be a piece of that. And health might be the vehicle that helps get you that. So in in priority wellness, it's really your overall well-being. It's beyond just what you eat for food, for example. But that is an important part of it. It's really how you're managing your energy. How are you managing your day? How well are you aligned with what you claim is important to you? in your actions each day. How has the pandemic affected the lives of your clients? And I ask this because I wonder if you can reach out to our listeners who've really been through the ringer. Because I think one of the things that happened during the pandemic is that people started to worry. They worried a lot. They worried about their health. They worried about their parents' health. They worried about their children. They're all wearing masks. We know there are literally months and months and months of waiting lists for kids to get in to get psychotherapy. This has been really hard. Yeah. Talk to our listeners about that. The challenges of parents with kids, especially small children, going through this uh, just continue to multiply. And and never mind people who lost people during this time. Um, It's it's just been... a roller coaster of different emotions. The bottom line is what I find that helps a lot, and I, I use this saying a lot, is using presence as your superpower. Being present because you can the worry comes from all the what ifs of what could happen. And in the fu- and when you start thinking that way, you're in the future. You're not being present. Or pining away for the past, gee, I wish things were the way they, they were beforehand or whatever. Again, you're thinking about the past. You're not being present. And while it's completely natural that our thoughts can go in any of those places, it's ultimately not useful for us. You're not going to solve things worrying about the future or thinking about the past. You can't change the past. It's already happened. So what helps is to use either if you find your thoughts going in either of those places and you're dwelling in that that's a trigger to be aha okay i'm not being present let me come back and deal with what is does stress make us sick in your opinion chris chronic stress does chronic unhealthy stress does and if we don't have a way to handle that then yes that can burn us out and that can lead to all sorts of health issues But if we have a way, stress is just a natural part of life. And there's good stress and there's bad stress. I didn't know I had good stress. (laughs) Yeah, but you think about like planning a, a a great event, planning a wedding. There's a lot of good stress that comes with that. It's a happy occasion, but there's a lot of balls you're juggling in the air trying to make that happen. And there's 
uh, we can come up with all kinds of bad stress from from the pandemic. Uh, but having a way to a be aware that you're experiencing stress, and then have a way to cope and handle it a productive way to handle it is what's essential. So, you know, non-productive ways of handling stress are things like turning to overeating, over-medicating, over-drinking, pick your poison. But then having helpful ways of handling stress could be something as simple and elementary as punching a pillow. You know, that's useful. That's getting energy out there. There's focused breathing that one can do. There is remembering what is joyful to you and doing it, incorporating that into your life. And again, it doesn't have to be anything grandiose. It could be reading a book, getting outside, again, especially during this pandemic, getting outside, getting fresh air, getting sunshine, going to someplace in nature that you enjoy. That can be a way to help de-stress us. You know, one of the things I've done throughout my life is, is I'm a swimmer. And one of the hardest parts of the pandemic for me was when I couldn't get into a swimming pool. I started walking because I knew I just had to do something, but physical exercise and swimming in particular, because for someone who's earned her living talking, no one can talk to me while I'm swimming, right? (laughs) So I'm just going back and forth in my little zone and I pray while I swim, which is something I've done my whole life. But that for me is the way to decompress. Talk to me a little bit about energy management. I know earlier you said that's a big topic, but just briefly, energy management. Years ago, I read a book called The Power of Full Engagement by Tony Schwartz and Jim Lohr. And what it posits is managing your energy is much more valuable than managing your time. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Time is finite. We only have so many hours in the day, no matter our socioeconomic status, how smart we are, whatever. We have the same amount of time in the day. And sure, there are things that you can do to be efficient with your time, but there's a built-in ceiling there. Whereas if you're aware of the different types of energy that are available to you, and I mentioned the buckets earlier, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, if you're aware of those and what gives you energy and what drains your energy, if you're A, aware of that and you actively manage that, it's like time magically expands. So I, I just find that so much more powerful than managing your time. You know, I'm thinking about, I have an expression that goes like this, that sucks the life out of me. <laughs> yeah. That means that's bad energy. I should get rid of whatever that is, right? So when you have something that you know drains your energy or that stresses you out, you have three ways to handle that fundamentally. You ask yourself, can I remove this trigger? Can you reduce it? And if you can't remove it or reduce it, can you respond to it differently? If we're not responding in a productive way, we're making ourselves suffer even more. And I saw that again and again and again during the pandemic where people were kind of fighting what is and figure out a different response that, again, you don't have to say this is wonderful, but a response that at least gives you peace. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what life was like in your house. I grew up in the suburbs of Boston uh, in a town called Saugus, and I am the oldest of four. And even though my last name now is of Greek descent, I'm actually of Italian descent. Uh, And we were the stereotypical Italian family, uh, very close with my grandparents and cousins are close, you know, wonderful Italian food. I have wonderful memories, uh, believe it or not, of going to York Beach when we were kids. And my grandmother and grandfather would pack pots of pasta and meatballs and whatever, (laughs) grilled chicken. Everybody wanted what you had on the beach. Yes. Very close knit family times. What was the message? 
message about work ethic, education, being successful? My father, who's deceased, he had one job throughout his entire life. He worked at Raytheon. Uh, He was a mechanical engineer, a brilliant person, and he loved his job. We would tease him a lot because he would go into work at two, three o'clock in the morning just because he loved his job. He could not wait to get to work and he wanted to get a bunch of stuff done before other people got in there. So I was raised with someone who loved his job and who advocated no matter what you do, make sure that you love it. So that was one thing that was instilled in us. Education was huge to do as well as we could in school and and ask for help if we needed it. So so that was a big thing. I'm a huge reader for folks who live locally to the Boston area. I have memories of my mom taking me in on the T to Filene's basement in Boston <laughs> on the weekends growing up. Famous place. Well, and they used, one of the things that they used to have were these bins of books. So I got to pick a book every time I went in. And I I geeked out over that all the time. Um, Anytime I move to a new town, the first thing I do is get a library card from the local library. You also started writing journals at about 15. Yes. Tell me about that. The act of just brain dumping out of my head and onto paper helps me personally process things. So it's not like I, I keep a journal for historical value later. It's more, it's my tool for brain dumping. And that served me when I was 15 and it serves me today. You know, I think we learn something from every job we've ever had. Mm. And when I was introducing you to our listeners, I gave them the full list of all the jobs that you've <laughs> had, which is a long list. But we learn something from each one. I would say in every single job, even my first job as a teenager, there are things that I, I remember observing. That's, that's a good way to talk to people. That's really not a great way to talk to people, whether it's coworkers, whether it's customers. So communication, I think there's communication tips I take from each one. There's work ethic too, observing good work ethic, poor work ethic, what it means to do a good job. And... Also recognizing that while you might have many talents, just because you're good at something doesn't mean that that's what you need to do for your job. Uh, My official career started out in systems engineering. Uh, I'm not doing that now. Could I do it? I probably could. But just because I'm able to do that doesn't mean that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. What does it take to be a successful entrepreneur, a self-starter, a small businesswoman? so many different things. I think initially it's it's a belief in yourself and a belief in yourself that it's okay if you don't know how to do everything now. You don't you won't know how to do everything now, but have a belief that you have the ability to figure it out. And build networks. Build networks of people who can support you, who can mentor you, who are good connections for you. And always look for ways of how you can support others. And that doesn't mean trying to make everybody your client. It means how can you be a resource to people? How can you be a connector? How can you help other people? And I think it also helps to be a lifelong learner as an entrepreneur. There's always more to learn in terms of how to run a business, how to communicate, how to interact with people. That never goes away. Adversity is a great teacher. So when an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? boy, when is an obstacle not in my path? Um, There's, I mean, I don't know that there's one way to do it. I think it is looking at it, taking a few deep breaths, 
doing your best not to get overwhelmed by it and figure out, okay, wh- how can I start to chip away at this? What can, how can I break this down? I don't know how to figure out this whole thing. Let me figure out the next step. I would say I bring that to pretty much any obstacle. Let me just figure out the next piece. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? And can you share it with our listeners? I can remember back in college when I was on the orientation staff. My undergrad, I got it. Um, what was then University of Lowell and is now UMass Lowell. And I remember the head of the orientation staff saying to us, if a parent or an incoming student asks you a question and you don't know the answer, the answer is not only I don't know, it's I don't know, but let me go figure it out. And I've applied that so many ways now when I'm doing a speaking engagement, when a client's asking me a question, I don't know all the answers. And I'm humble enough to admit that. And is, But let me research that and then find that out for you. Final question. And Chris Vasiliadis, I'm so proud of myself that I've said that correctly <laughs> every time. I want to thank you for coming into my living room and sharing your incredible story today. What does success mean to you? Success to me means being in alignment with what you say is important to you and following through on that in your actions, in your behavior, in your words. And if you are doing what matters most to you and is what's most important to you, that is success. Chris, thank you so much for coming today and best of luck in your business, Priority Wellness. And the book is called Ignition, A Professional Women's Guide to Energized Burnout Proof Living. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so much, Candy. And that's the story behind her success for this week. If you know a woman I should interview for the show, reach out and tell me about her. Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. There's also a full library of stories for you to listen to anytime you need a little dose of inspiration. Follow me on Facebook at Candy O'Terry Official and on all other platforms at Candy O'Terry. And whether you're listening on one of our radio affiliates or from your smartphone, we'll have a fresh episode for you next week on the story behind her success. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. <laughs>